Welcome back, listeners. You're tuning in to Not So Giant Women. Hello. Ivy and Daria are your hosts. That is us. <laughs> We're about to watch Watermelon Steven. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so I'm pretty sure no one coming in unspoiled could predict what would happen in this episode. So I would love right. to know what ideas this title gives you, Daria. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm torn between Steven simply finding watermelon, the fruit, or that there is some kind of watermelon version of Stephen, <laughs> and whether that means watermelon, the actual fruit evolving into Stephen-esque form, or Stephen, oh goodness, or Stephen fusing with a watermelon somehow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I now need about 10 different fan arts that I just thought of. It could be a mundane thing like Stephen deciding he's going to be a watermelon farmer. <laughs> A, B, C, or D, all of the above. <laughs> well, let's find out how many of the above it is. <laughs> yes. We are the crystal gems. We'll always save the day. Spoken like a true king. They don't need a king. They're their own melons now. drums there <laughs> and, that, and that is the one where Stephen creates sapien watermelons <laughs> thankfully no fusions with watermelons no but yes your prediction was essentially right as a watermelon version of Stephen. yeah well i suppose once you throw enough predictions like that at the wall sooner or later some are going to stick <laughs> uh, as, as per usual the title was literal and spe speaking of stick, I will add, every time someone had watermelon juice on themselves in this episode, I just felt how sticky it seemed in the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, right. what happened? <laughs> we open on Stephen and Greg having some father-son time eating watermelons when they decide to start showing off what they can do with the seeds and splitting them and trying to hit targets and do patterns and even eventually chomps down a whole bunch of watermelons and sprays hurricane seeds all over the car wash and the, well, surrounds. There's lots of watermelon seeds. I think Stephen's mouth might be bigger on the inside. <laughs> having had a good time and Stephen having been crowned the king of watermelon seeds spitting, the boys go to sleep and wake up the next morning to find watermelons have grown everywhere, but not just your average oval-shaped watermelons. These are all vaguely shaped like Stephen himself. Uh, they bring the other three gems to investigate and Pearl says that Stephen's mother had the power to create sentient plants to fight for her but as Amethyst notes these aren't fighting they're just nothinging. Greg even accidentally <laughs> steps in one because it's just lying there. So Stephen decides to well he decides to give them away but turns into a watermelon store because CD comes along and insists on paying him for one in five dollars which in Beach City comes in the form of a two and three dollar note, which for some reason I find hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, Renato even blogs about this, and this attracts lots of people to buy the watermelon Stevens, except for one which Stephen has declared to be baby melon, for it is smaller and less developed than the rest. After a fine day of watermelon Stevens selling, Stephen notes there's a bit of Stephen in all of them, which, oh my goodness, Stephen. <laughs> and Onion appears from under the stall table. Uh -huh. And he wants a watermelon, Stephen. There are none left except baby melon. And 
Onion steals baby melon. Stephen cries Onion's name to the heavens in rage and chases after <laughs> Onion. However, baby melon itself detaches from Onion and runs back to Stephen on his little legs. Stephen is like, you're alive. I probably shouldn't be so surprised by now. Realize <laughs> this means all the watermelon Stevens must be alive rather than funny shaped watermelons and goes through town refunding people and getting all the watermelon Stevens back. And he now has an army of them walking behind him. Returns to the beach house and interrupts the other gems newspaper hour to show them the watermelon army standing on the beach. The gems say that Rose's creations just live to fight and would become out of control and Stephen already can't control them. However, the watermelons, well, except for baby melon, who's just still clinging to Stephen, see the gems getting to safety as them attacking Stephen. And we end up with a huge face off between the the three gems and a watermelon army and the watermelons are well they come apart easily into convenient clean watermelon slices however the gems are going to be overcome probably by sheer weight of numbers even wants to stop this fighting this carnage just but just plain telling the melons to stop isn't having any effect baby melon decides to punch Stephen, having had an idea, and the other melons all see this act of violence against their king and turn on baby melon and essentially rip it to shreds or rip it to slices. Stephen takes the remains, the slices of baby melon, and basically says, look what you've done, go and think about what you did, we don't need to fight. Like this sort of end of West Side Story moment to the remaining melons, and they are chastised and march off into the sea, except for one which gets taken away by a seagull. The gems say this was spoken like a true king, and... As we're about to go to credits, Stephen starts eating the remains of Baby Melon, much to the incredibly grossed out faces of the other gems, which are frankly hilarious and one of the best bits of art I've seen in the show so far. <laughs> Even Amethyst is disgusted. My goodness. <laughs> Just the, well, I, I don't know how they call these things behind the scene, but if I learned that someone in the Crooniverse labeled these the gems WTF faces, I would not be surprised. <laughs> Ah. But yeah, so we kind of tap into Stephen's power set, learning that he can kind of create plant creatures. It's probably not unfair to wonder if his healing saliva has some part to play in this, given he spat the seeds all around the place. Cartoon Network probably getting letters saying, you've encouraged my kids to spit seeds all around the backyard. Thankfully, uh, little versions of the children would not grow up outside overnight, but still possibly a nuisance. Yeah, kind of dark with the, oh, look, you're alive and sapient, and now we're just going to smash you into slices. And yeah, Greg even put his foot through one of you before. That's kind of gruesome. (laughs) Dad, you're always stepping in my progeny. You just stepped in your grandson, Greg. (laughs) Yeah. Not sure. Like, I really liked the cute opening of that with them doing little watermelon tricks, but I, I, I'm not so sure about his parenting sometimes. I mean, they both woke up just covered in watermelon juice outside. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's free living, I guess. <laughs> I wonder, like, how much, you know, how much Rose used this technique, making the plants defend her. It seems like it would have to be kind of a strategic option because at least if Stephen's experience of it is uh, typical, it took overnight. So you'd have to like plan to put them there and they'd grow up by the next day. 
you know, it's not like, oh, you just created super soldiers, like Pearl can make hollow Pearl, you know, it would have to be planned. I mean, unless that's a difference between Stephen and his mom, that seems like something you'd have to plan for. And also, if hers do get out of control sooner or later, then you'd want to make sure it was something you needed to do. Mm-hmm. Even if you could do it instantly, you want to make sure you could deal with the army of sapient plants later. I mean, I mean, these guys were watermelons, so... Despite the numbers, they were reasonably easy to defeat as individuals. But if she was using them on huge, huge trees or something, that'd be a lot more difficult to deal with. Yeah, they clearly like they recognized it. I mean, you know, Pearl says what it was and Amethyst is like, yeah, but they moved. Like they've clearly seen her do this. So I wonder what the context was. They would see Rose do it. Yeah, or, <sighs> yeah, maybe also Rose didn't create dozens and dozens at a time. It's possible. Yes, we've seen kind of references to this skill set of hers in previous episodes where we've also had plants moving around. We had the magic moss and we had the brambles at her fountain. So it, it seems like this has sort of been established, even though not in those terms yet. And it certainly fits with her broadly life-giving power set. Mm-hmm. And the fact that her name is Rose. <laughs> I mean, she's a plant, plant name. Yep. yep convenient she's she's definitely got her branding right <laughs> yes it's it's handy that she found a, a rock that's also a flower that means she can yeah. leave symbols around it we can go oh look that's a rose yeah watch like where she came from didn't have anything that was a plant or anything like just, <laughs> it just happens to be so uh convenient and then she's just like yeah well i like this place let's settle here <laughs> it has nothing to do with my name It'd be funny hmm I just wrote some fan fiction. <laughs> hmm. So what did you think of Mr. Smiley being so willing to be bribed? Oh, I just love the tone of, thank you, I'll accept your bribe. I'll accept your bribe, yes. <laughs> and that he's quite reasonable lady, because yeah. the question when Stephen's obviously said something like, oh, the watermelon's alive, here's your five bucks back, and he goes, okay. And it just jumps out of his, his sack or whatever. Like, Yeah, he wasn't trying to make money, but he was just like, yeah, one, 100 pieces of money. <laughs> So his understanding of currency is still a little bit warped. Uh, but but so is the currency in Beach City or possibly the Stephen Universe universe in general because they have $3 notes. That's right. Oh, definitely not something that I have ever seen in real life except for pretend. And is there the expression? There's an expression in England as, as bent as a three-pound note or as bent as a three-bob note, which All means right. something's dodgy, fake, that sort of thing, because there's no such thing as a, a three-pound note. I don't know if there's an equivalent expression in America. You know, there is, but it's queer as a $2 bill and $2 bills exist. (laughs) Yeah, I've read about the the strange thing about $2 bills that people think they don't exist, but even I've seen them, so. Yeah, yeah, some people will, I mean, they're legal currency, but most people will collect them as a novelty. So you don't see a lot of them even though they're out there. And every once in a while, you'll have an incident where someone tries to pay with one and the person that you're trying to pay at the register has not heard of them. So queer as in they exist, (laughs) but are considered weird. (laughs) Go figure. figure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Someone in the crew universe is having fun designing the alternate money, I think. Yeah. And Sadie, in fact, she, she does still have a mark on her face from her island adventure. She sure does. She's walking around in her cute little dress, but she has a scratch. Mm. Continuity. So this is uh, four episodes later. She still has it. Mm -hmm. So it's probably a lasting one. And I think I even said at the time, oh, that's going to leave a mark. (laughs) 
you were right. I was just throwing things out there, and this time I was actually literally right. Yes. Um, well, as you mentioned with the WTF bases, I think this whole episode was a bit WTF. There were lots of what the hell are you writing? But, you know, this is, as I've mentioned before, Lamar Abrams has a weird sense of humor, and he was on this one. And, of course, he stuck Onion in. Yeah, so of course. This was Lamar and Helen again. And I liked when they go to Ronaldo's to rescue a watermelon, and he wants to be filmed being beaten up by the watermelons. <laughs> I noticed in that sequence also he has no views and no subscribers, no followers, everything's zero. That is, that is true. Poor Ronaldo. You know, I mean, even if I didn't find him particularly entertaining, I think if I was his neighbor or I was somebody who lived in a town with him, like I might occasionally pop in to see what he's doing. It's interesting, even if it's uh, ridiculous. Well, you think you'd check in on Keep Each City Weird just to see what on earth did you come up with this week? Yeah, just at least know whether you should risk going by the fry shop. (laughs) Well, he's going to do an autopsy with an egg beater and a spatula. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And that was his main concern as to whether the, the camera was capturing his abuse. Yeah, well, Stephen understands it by now. He just moves the camera to better catch him. He's like, sweet. Yeah. yeah. I noticed that you mentioned in your, your, your recap that the gems were having newspaper hour. <laughs> that struck me as weird. They're all sitting there reading the paper. What are you guys doing? <laughs> reading the paper yeah maybe it's <laughs> finally getting wasn't hers, you know <laughs> maybe it's finally getting to them that they need to know something about the world they live in uh, or amethyst is reading garfield or something yeah i would i would assume that they probably split up one paper and read what was relevant to them i i would definitely not be surprised if amethyst was reading the comics but it might also be some strange interest that we don't know she has <laughs> oh. Well, Pearl's probably reading those crabby letters to the editor and thinking, yes, yes, it is irritating. Why do people <laughs> misbehave? Yes. Or maybe science news. I'd be interested to know what Garnet's interested in. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> mm, who knows? Who knows? We don't get to know. So, ah, yes. And speaking of the, the new powers that we were talking about, Stephen showing up new powers, it seemed like everybody ha- showed off a new power this week. When they were fighting the watermelons, Garnet did rocket fists. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool was new and they all did something new amethyst with her spin dash that was also new Earl had spear lasers so i wonder who decided like this time we're just gonna have them all fight different also a sneaky way to slip in variations on the fighting for when it becomes a if they get to a big fighting episode later on rather than just taking Mm -hmm. on masses of fruit (laughs) the spin dash especially looked like a good way to destroy a bunch of watermelons at once uh, yeah, distance would is, is a good way to fight these guys because they were, you know, as they got closer, they were able to just pile up on the gems and weigh them down. Yeah, and they were going to bury Amethyst. Yes. And <laughs> put flowers. flowers are lovely. <laughs> flowers <laughs> on it, so who knows what's going on there. Or for that matter, where they got flowers. I know. Another kind of WTF moment. Like, what's happening here? They're going to bury Amethyst? I mean... Also, why does she care? <laughs> she probably does stuff like that for fun. <laughs> I guess I guess it's a principle whether you or your friends bury you or whether sapient fruit do. That's right. <laughs> uh, I was surprised that they had that much trouble fighting them off. But then again, I mean, I guess I'm kind of thinking like this is the type of attack that their leader in essence could was able to do. So, I mean, maybe something that's made by one of them is harder to deal with. 
And I think it was also a matter of sheer numbers as well. Most of what yeah. we've seen them fight so far has usually been, well, most of the time it's just one single enemy, usually a corrupted gem. Right. I think the only exceptions we've seen with that is the multiple copies of the centipedals and the drill monsters, the drill parasites. And uh, they, they had a hard time with those too, didn't they? The, the drill guys, they, they were fighting them for a while. Yeah, and most of their weapons are one-on-one type weapons. I mean, rocket fists, granted, a bit new, but things like spears and whips are usually best for fighting just one opponent. Mm-hmm. It's true. So definitely a welcome addition to the skill set, seeing that Pearl can shoot lasers. <laughs> yeah. I did notice that she was trying to tell the melons to unhand her spear. I thought, can't she just unform it and reform it? But maybe it was more just the heat of the moment. Hard to make any conclusions from that. Maybe you can, maybe, and maybe you can't just go unforming and reforming spears over and over and over. It always seems like they have an unlimited number of them, but yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she just didn't want them to, to win anything. <laughs> yeah, again, wouldn't give it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Also, I don't think we know what can happen if someone else gets a hold of your gem whip. Yeah, they disappear pretty easily, but it doesn't seem like. I don't know, like sometimes it seems like they intentionally just dissolve things, but other times it seems like they just fade away if they're sitting around. Like we don't know. Know, I don't know if the melons could have actually used it against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping in mind that they're also kind of of gem descent, if you will. Right. They're not. They're, they're still some kind of gem version of supernatural. <laughs> That's true. I wonder why some of them were still babies and some had hair. <laughs> I guess only the main one, the main baby melon. Yeah, I guess it's just... Watermelons grow different shapes and sizes. So, yeah. so th- this is, I'm wondering how they got some of this past BSP with Stephen creating a bunch of his children referred to on screen as sentient. And yeah. I don't think TV really knows the difference between sentient and sapient yet. So, I'm pretty sure that's what they meant. And a bunch of them were killed and taken apart on screen by the heroes, including right. the one who was designated a baby who's. Desiccated remains we then see and see eaten by the hero himself a That's child. Right. Yeah. I mean, in their defense, the gems did not seem to approve of this, but he still did it. And we're supposed to like him. Yeah, this is, I mean, it looks like a wacky, funny episode, but it's actually fundamentally disturbing. <laughs> I can only assume there are a lot of discussions upstairs, which the Crooniverse had to go, oh, it'll be okay, they're watermelons. Well, I did hear, this is like, I guess, a skip forward into factoid land, but I did hear that there were notes on how the watermelons could be killed and that they had to look like watermelon slices or else it was too gruesome. Not watermelon pulp or something, which... Right. When you're talking about bits of red splat, then yeah. Yeah. So you just you just have to see them, you know, Garnet's punching them and they're just separating into impossible little slices. And I mean, if you've ever punched a watermelon, not that I know about this personally, <clears throat> but they don't chop apart into neat slices when you punch them. Actually, I did punch one once when I was messing around and I didn't actually hurt the watermelon at all. So. <laughs> uh, you're also not punching them with gauntlets on. True. Mm. I think Garnet kicked a few of them too. Yeah, well, mm. she, uh, crane pose when she threw them off and then they just repiled <laughs> on her. What's that? After she did the crane pose, they just piled back on. I believe what you're referring to is actually a very specific reference. You should Google this so you can see it. The baby fighter statue. I guess Os- Oslo Frogner Park baby fighter is what we'll, you will, you'll see the pose. Hang on, it's I've apparently a reference to this statue. I've heard of that park, but not that statue. Mm-hmm. A man fighting babies. 
I haven't heard of the park. Maybe something happened there once besides a baby fighting statue. <laughs> well, look, as soon as you start writing baby fight, it auto-completes the baby fight statue. Wow. And there he is. <laughs> it's like almost exactly like baby for baby. And they linger on it for a moment before they all jump on her again. <laughs> it's not hilarious. That's, that's pretty obscure for references. Yeah. And, well, we've also got to wonder about the original sculpture thought. This park needs a naked dude fighting babies. That's exactly what we need. And it's very interesting that the crew universe is like, we can reference this, right? A dude fighting murderous children, murderous infants. Like, really, who, who makes these things? It is very odd. And it is so specific. <laughs> like, <laughs> again, I really feel like I would come away as a different person if I hung out with Lamar Abrams. <laughs> just he just seems like such a weird person. <laughs> In a good way, I guess. <laughs> Hmm. I have looked at his blog. He is a strange man. <laughs> hmm. so just taking a look at one the other picture. You're looking at some of the other statues. I know they've got some weird ones. Oh, I think I've seen the museum. I've seen pictures of the museum there before. That's why the name bounced around in my head. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a, a museum full of weird statues. <laughs> look, there are quasi-skeletal metallic dragons chained to their uh-huh. own tails because, of course, there are. Oh, my goodness. Sounds like there could have been something even more disturbing to reference if they wanted to. More disturbing than fighting babies. Boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. (laughs) So the sacrifice of baby melon was uh, surprisingly touching. Yeah. And uh, again, another one of those dark, how did you get that through things? But it certainly did, did the job. We saw a sort of, in its limited expression, baby melon resolving and punching its progenitor, father, maker, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Crooniverse were probably doing a lot of not calling them father and children when they were trying to push it fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Stephen does have a weird propensity for adopting things. He adopted that goat. Yeah, I, I was thinking of Stephen Jr. And, <laughs> and now he has baby melon. Well, not anymore. <laughs> Come part of him. I guess the rest are technically Stephen Jr.'s siblings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... He sent them off into the sea until they understand. So what will they do with their lives? Will they learn a lesson and come to serve Stephen again? They make Melon Atlantis or something. Mm -hmm. Perhaps. Spoken like true king. Your watermelogesty. (laughs) (laughs) Crown. And I know I riffed on West Side Story, but it's it's been in a few things. Uh, Look, your fighting has killed this pure soul. Think about what you did moment. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think I've seen people suggest that that's a reference to West Side Story. I, I, I don't remember for sure. Yeah, but I'm pretty aware West Side Story isn't the only work that's gone there. And I don't think West Side Story even thought it was at the time. So yeah, mm. it, it's a pretty common lesson. Innocents are hurt by your fighting. What do you think of all those references? By Jove, it's full of seeds. Yeah. <laughs> you seem to be laughing at all of them. So <laughs> yeah, so the Amadeus. <laughs> My father, he disapproves of me. <laughs> I'm Amadeus. My goodness, they're not afraid to go go deep on this. Seem to be some very like artistic references here, like mm. so, somewhat obscure. I mean, 2001 isn't that obscure. It's it's definitely not. Little children are probably not going. Oh, I know what that is. Mm. Well, little children probably aren't exactly firing up their copies of Amadeus or any Mozart related yeah. biographies. Remember, we had a VHS of the Amadeus movie when I was a kid. I remember when it first came on television here, it was a huge event. I seem to recall my members of my family imitating the laugh that he did in the, in the movie. 
I did notice that Greg says by Jove rather than my God in the full of line. Because Mm. even that soft blasphemy is a bigger deal on American television, especially kids' television, than it is elsewhere. You know, what's funny is that is true. And then it's the opposite with violence. Like we're allowed to get really violent things on TV. You know, just like massacring random children and murder and stuff like that. But in a lot of other countries, those things will be softened. I'm on another podcast I listened to slightly a tangent. They're Hmm. reviewing a bunch of novels that were that were aimed at kids but they're British and the hosts who are American keep saying but these are supposed to be kids books and they're saying hell and damn it's like it's because in in Britain that's mildly annoying at most it's not even kind of a swear right it's just I mean honestly as an American person I am so flummoxed by the fact that nudity and language are considered to be just so inappropriate for children and in general just offensive things like they're taboo but violence is not like you can kill people you can threaten people you can have really violent weapons you can show death you can refer to death you can do a lot of really on things that are definitely about dying and death but that is okay and but i mean as soon as you show a booby or something that's indecent but we're allowed to show death and dying and violence to kids that's fine that's child appropriate well not just children there's an episode of hannibal where unsurprisingly you do do see the terrible things that have been done to a woman you see her corpse and it is her naked corpse but if you actually look for more than the sort of second they try to show it to you, you realize that all of the her anatomy, if you will, is absent as if she were a mannequin. Mm-hmm. Or rather her external anatomy, the, her internal anatomy is spread all over for the world to see, but right. certainly not any naughty bits. It really is so peculiar that that is acceptable. That's that's more decent and that is more appropriate to show to any audiences. Um, it's brutal death, but you can't say damn (laughs) like that, that it really does give the appearance that one thing is decent and one is not. And I know that that's not how most people conceptualize it, but if you look at what flags a censor, you know, that's, that's true. I didn't even process like, oh, they're probably saying by Joe because they don't want to say my God, you know, in kids TV or whatever. I think it particularly stood out because of that podcast. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they're old episodes, so there's no direct line to the author, the maker. But every time he goes, they're saying damn in a kid's book. It's like, yeah, in Britain, you can do that. I can show you a, bunch, right. a whole stack of comics aimed at seven to 10 year olds where people are damning left, right and center. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly wish it was... I would much rather have children not be exposed to unnecessarily uh, unnecessary violence just that especially just how much American TV features guns so casually. I mean, I know we're we are a nation that's obsessed with firearms and I know that it's kind of embedded into our history as a nation, but it really is disturbing to me how cavalier we are about weapons. And using them. There was huge controversy from a certain sector of fandom. A few Transformers series ago, the head writer decided that the the band of heroes would use other kinds of weapons, you know, whips, swords, disc throwers, that sort of thing, rather than the usual blasters and laser guns. And he said this of, oh, I prefer my heroes to find 
other ways to fight. I don't usually write heroes who use guns. And he got death threats over that for supposedly being anti-gun, which he didn't even say he was. Right. (laughs) It is amazing how easily anything you say that could possibly be interpreted that way will transmute into you're trying to take my gun away and you hate guns. I mean, it's just, it's like there, and a lot of these people are also the people who are sitting there waiting, like claiming that maybe people on, you know, our side of say the the social, for lack of a better word, like permissiveness and liberalism or whatever, like that, that we're the ones who are really oversensitive over things like misgendering or, you know, getting you're getting accurate representations of racial groups and stuff like that, that we're oversensitive for, you know, saying that there's a problem if some kind of transgression happens like that. And they're like, oh, you're too sensitive. You're special snowflakes. But I mean, if you ever want to see oversensitivity on display imply in any sense that you disapprove of killing people with weapons and you will have a group of them on your doorstep. Oh, yeah. So hopefully no one who listens to this podcast is of that nature. (laughs) I can't imagine guns are actually very effective in the Steven Universe world anyway. Well, no specific spoilers, but there is an episode that straight up has a gun in it. So, (laughs) but not for a while. And it is interesting also, like given what you just said about the weapons chosen for this other piece of fiction, it's interesting that they don't have, they don't seem to have guns as weapons in Steven Universe, like no gem pulls a gun out of their town, you know? Mm-hmm. you have to punch it or whip it or stab it yeah the closest we've think- the closest we've seen is like magical bolts which don't actually exist in real life mm-hmm. that's true and i guess if you count pearl's laser which is kind of like a gun i guess because you're shooting it oh and i guess opal's bow is a ranged weapon but they definitely have this feeling like of even though that is a potentially deadly weapon in real life it's got this attachment to kind of medieval feeling like that somehow it's not as precise or as deadly or something even though it can be well i think part of it is that most people can just pick up a gun and fire it and could Mm. do so by accident that is not easy to do with a bow and arrow and no no you might be able to slice your finger open on the arrow if you pick it up wrong but and to be able to fire the weapon yeah i mean some listeners may or may not know this and I've learned it from reading, but just pulling back a bow to fire is a lot harder than it looks like on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm always so bowled over when I see people doing things like standing on their elbows and shooting a bow with their feet or something. It's like, what are you doing? How do you do that? Uh. <sighs> Amazing. <laughs> anyway, back from the gun control hour. Back. All I'll say is I do judge Stephen a little for eating baby Melly. Yeah, could 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 you bury it or something? Or... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm trying to imagine what would have been going through his head that he's thinking, I'm so sad that he's dead, but this smells so delicious in my arms. Either that or he's just like, he will live on. He will live on as a part of me, even though he came from me. There's a little Steven in everyone, and now he now there's a little baby melon in me. <laughs> or his attention span is kicked back out, and he's already moved on. It's like, oh, hey, watermelon. Yeah. Mm. Well, if I can jump into talking about food on this note, obviously you know what it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> a Stephen uh, Nellens. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty difficult to get them to look like that, and I didn't think that would really be possible. Mm. But uh, my my, I have standards for like whether something counts as a food, and until Stephen ate that damn melon at the <laughs> end, it didn't really satisfy my decision to like whether I would make. A Stephen Melon. It's a life form made out of food. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's designed to confuse vegetarians. <laughs> yes, yes. What am I doing? But I mean, normally I, I wouldn't consider the the watermelon Stevens to count as food unless they were eaten as food. But then Stephen had to mess that up. So I had to do it. Of course, I would have had to do watermelon anyway, because they ate a bunch of it at the beginning. Um, so that would have been fairly, yeah. fairly easy, I suppose. Right. I felt like it was barely even a recipe. <laughs> I suppose for additional points, you could try to make the crown. Yes. And I actually did not do that exactly. But what I ended up doing was I actually got two watermelons and kind of tried to make a baby melon in, you know, just make it kind of look like a person because you can't really make it shaped like that unless you grow it in a special container. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty invested, but I'm not that invested. So I just tried to approximate what a baby melon would look like. And then I carved it up like it was on that on the picture at the end where he's holding it, the melon rind full of melon pieces. And I prepared it for people to eat at my Steven Universe movie part. And, you know, I had a little picture of him holding the corpse, like watermelon Steven, baby melon. And uh, when I posted it online, people were judging me the way that we're judging Steven. They're like, this person and their friends ate baby melon. And it's like, I'm just doing what Steven did. Like, if you judge me, you judge him. (laughs) And, and mine's not even mine's not even alive. Mine never did walk around on its own power. So that was that ended up being kind of a, a small disaster in my kitchen. Actually, it was all fine during the party and stuff, but I left it on the counter. And there was since there were two melons, and I used one just for a body, and there were small puncture marks for where I attached the head and the, the arms and stuff. And then I ended up using like the head part where I cut the mouth and everything. I used that for the presentation and we didn't go in, through enough watermelon for me to open up the other one. So I figured it was fine. It just kind of sat there and watermelons don't need to be refrigerated unless they've been opened, but I had punctured it. So I didn't realize that it was start, It was going bad from that point. It was just point. open enough. Yeah. And I started to smell something in the kitchen and like, it wasn't terrible, but it was a smell kind of like rising bread. And most likely it was, you know, yeast reproducing and foaming out of this thing. And when I picked it up, there was slime all over the counter. And I was like, this is one of the more disgusting things I've seen in my life because it was there for several days. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, I'm a mess. You know, because for days afterwards, you know, after number one, I had a big party and I'm, I'm not a super extroverted person. So having a party takes a lot out of me. Plus I made all this food for people and I had just seen an entire Steven Universe movie. So I had no energy for days. I was like dead for a while and was not ready to clean up a dead watermelon. I didn't even know it was dead. And then I picked it up and oh my God. But it didn't smell like fruit. That was the thing. I was like, I don't know what what it is that smells like yeast in here. (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. I don't have much of a sense of smell, which is kind of when I know that something must smell really strongly if I can actually smell it much at all. Wow. (laughs) Well, that's a bit of a blessing, isn't it? Yeah. But occasionally it's a doubtful because I might have done that and left that more than was wise or safe without knowing I'd done it. I see. Yeah. I don't think I'm a super smeller or anything, but I you know, have a pretty decent smell, sense of smell myself. Um, so hang on. on your social media lately, I've seen your milestone of having done all the Steven Universe foods and saying, have I missed none? I don't think I missed none. 
Has anyone tried to bring up the watermelon? No, not exactly. Someone did ask me about a different watermelon related thing. And for the reason that I explained to you just now, that doesn't count. Actually, like just, I mean, it's probably not a spoiler that this is not the last time that you see Steven and his food thing or his plant thing. So, I mean, there are other incidents that they were asking me, but if no one ate it, it's not food. So, but I brought up the baby melon in response to that. That's the only time that I've had the watermelons. And no one eats the crown, they only eat to create the crown. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, that kind of is a separate thing because it was a separate presentation, I guess. But kind of the way that I frame what is a new recipe is if it recurs in a different context, but I've already done it, you know, I'm not going to make another one. But I could have done that. I mean, I had for a while, I had a a watermelon sitting on my counter that I could have made into a crown. Hey, you know, I just don't want (laughs) to. You're right though. Ultimately, it's all watermelon. It is. You you mess with the shape and it's still watermelon. It wasn't really prepared in any other way that would make it taste different than watermelon. Yeah. And I'm not that big of a fan of watermelon. I think it's okay, Mm. but I don't typically buy watermelon. Mm. I like other fruits more. And so it took me a long time to get around to making this because I I guess I hadn't completely crystallized this idea that I am literally going to make every food in this show. So I was leaving out things that I didn't think were that special, including just, oh, it's just watermelon chopped up. So it's not really a recipe. And if I did it, people would be like, okay, big deal. How is that a recipe? But, you know, as it got more and more obsessive, I'm like, yeah, I have to do it. Well, also now I think about it, it was made of the bit of the watermelon you don't eat anyway. That's true. So you can't really prepare it as food. I mean, I don't know if people can and do eat the watermelon, (laughs) but I've only ever seen people just eat the red bit. Yeah. It seemed like Greg was biting it and I didn't see him spit it out. He was making it. I don't know if this says more about Greg or about watermelons. Right. And I did specify that if something is, I specifically said it in regards to amethyst. I was like, if a monster, an animal or amethyst ate it and it isn't food, it doesn't count. Because I didn't want people saying like, oh, well, that big bird and giant woman ate Stephen's goat and him. So they're food now. I'm like, no, that doesn't count. You didn't want your amethyst ate the head off the vacuum cleaner or something. Watch, like, we'll turn on the next one and she's doing that. And you're like, I accidentally predicted the future again. (laughs) (laughs) You're secretly a seer. (laughs) But also the lesson here is don't try to mess with Ivy's food tally because she has done it. She's done all the things. I still think that because I have not actually sat down and rewatched the entire thing trying to find food. I just think that I remembered everything. And especially with the more recent episodes that I have less exposure to, there's definitely possibilities for holes. But, you know, opening my request box and having people send me stuff has been really fun because there's some real strange stuff that I've made, as y'all have seen, including things like the tuna burrito. I mean, I didn't look at the comments on where you posted that because, well, your post was fairly clean. I didn't know if people would would post something like, oh, did you put in this hot dog from the episode where we find out that Garnet is secretly Greg's dad or something? (laughs) Well, that might have been the secret that she was hiding from from Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) Not secret animal friends. It's like, Stephen. (laughs) It'd be like a really weird version of the Star Wars. She'd make a great eccentric grandma. (laughs) Well, she's probably old enough. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Garnet is grandma. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so we got the watermelon Stevens. 
see. There was no songs this time, but there was some really fun, again, chip tunes. We got Watermelon Stevens have their own little chip tune anthem, I guess. I wondered if we were going to get sort of a drum beat to war with the Army of Watermelons, but we didn't get quite that. Yeah. We could get some fight music. Yeah, but. yeah there was a, a Watermelon Steven anthem of sorts and then there was like a version of it for the watermelon battle that was really it that was cute though it was very uh had a almost pastoral feel to it like i feel like i'm out in the country except it's a chip tune <laughs> you could see it played on like a farm level on a video game <laughs> what it must be like when tv composers get together and they're like what are you working on oh i'm, I'm doing one for this scene where this woman just learns that her brother has died what are you doing Oh, three sentient space rocks fighting a bunch of living watermelons. Gosh, some of the things that they've had to compose music for have got to sound absolutely bonkers out of text. Even in context, sometimes they sound pretty weird. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, the child main character was slowly aging into an ancient man, and we had to write some sad music. Hmm. <laughs> And, you know, the other ones have had the right, oh, I wrote the hero is driving fast theme. (laughs) There you go. Mm. Yeah, I just recently heard that the composers for the original soundtrack who work on all the music for this show are, I think they're making references to, they're implying that there's going to be some kind of like instrumental music release soon. At the time that we're recording this, I'm not sure what it is, but they're being far too excited on (laughs) there. I hope so. There's a lot of good instrumental. People have been frustrated that it's not officially available for years. You can't give so much wonderful musical food to a bunch of music fans and then be like, I'm sure there's not enough people who are interested in this that it'll sell. Of course it'll sell. (laughs) I'll pre-order it. I don't know about this fandom. I know other fandoms have created their own own virtual soundtrack albums by Mm -hmm. clipping and cropping bits from the episode and putting together the least interfered with by uh, diegetic sound possible. Right. I have seen people do that. And I've seen bits and pieces from different episodes stitched together to try to make what they think the whole song is and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, I, I know people do that because I did. It was the Buffy musical episode all that years ago before they made a proper soundtrack. Oh, I know about the Buffy musical. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was up there for Audacity See if I had to clip out a sound effect without affecting the, the song beneath it. And oh, stitching in there. To, stitching together where they took a pause for dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've still got the CD I made, I even printed a cover. <laughs> That's so cool. You're a nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> mm. Let's see. I'm looking at my list of where I try to make notes about factoids that I don't want to forget, and I didn't tell you what the description is yet. Oh, let's hear it. Which is just Stephen discovers a new power when he grows a patch of Stephen-shaped watermelons. Mm. That does kind of give the thing away, but again, there's only so much else happens in this episode. I don't know if that's giving the game away or just saying, look, this is what the episode's about. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the whole setup of the opening with Stephen and Greg, like if you know that's coming, you're like, oh, wait for it, it's coming. Whereas like, if you don't know, he's going to wake up and there's... Stevens made out of watermelon all around him, then I don't know. I, I feel like that ruins that reveal a little bit. Yeah, well, I can say when you don't know, it is a great Stephen and Greg scene. They're very good yeah. at this sort of father son stuff. I like that it felt very organic that they would be sitting around trying to spit cool. Like it's not really a rivalry, but it's the kind of thing feels like, you know, I mean, it's, well, they're playing a game. 
Right. It's in the same sort of mood as how they were squirting each other with hoses the first time that we saw them like doing father-son bonding. <laughs> You're right. It's not a true rivalry. It's just sometimes people have fun just yeah. getting a bit competitive because that's how you play games. Yeah. And they were cre- creative as much as competitive. Yeah. And it, it is also very cute that after Steven does his hurricane spin spit, you know, Greg is like, he makes a big deal out of crowning him king. <laughs> You're a water majesty. <laughs> it's cute. If, if that were me, that line would have taken either one take or like 50. It's trying to say with even the smallest degree of not bursting out saying, You're water majesty. <laughs> Uh, it probably does not surprise you that the posts that Ronaldo made were indeed appearing on his real life blog. So there's one about him, about Steven selling these weird watermelon guys for only $5. And pretty sure there was another post right after that where he tried to put his live stream that no one watched. And there's like a furious post where he's like, I can't believe the recording crapped out or something like that. And it it was uh, not saved or not broadcast properly. He wanted to know if anybody had a copy of it. I think Mm -hmm. anybody caught it. (laughs) So Ronaldo, but it's just a picture, you know, of the live stream pretending that you can play it. (laughs) But we actually got to see it. We got to see him be beat up by watermelon. (laughs) He probably got off lightly compared to how vicious they are a few scenes later. Yeah, and he didn't have any gem weapons to fight them with. It seems like eventually they just try to hold you down. They just lay on you in a pile and immobilize you. Yeah, Maybe Stephen managed to convince them to retreat in that instance once he was no longer a threat. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he didn't really threaten Stephen so much as another watermelon. Stephen attack seemed to be the big trigger. Yep. Yeah, true. Follow-up questions! I think I have to ask you a question, a probing question. Hmm. How about, let's see. Okay, so you were saying that the watermelons are, they're some form of mentally aware. So they're not exactly like animals, but they're not exactly people either because they're almost robot-like in the way that they follow orders and obey (laughs) triggers, I guess. But I kind of processed it almost like Stephen felt like they were sort of like pets, like he was taking Mm -hmm. care of them, like they were his little pets. And uh, so related to that, what kind of pet do you think each of the gems would have? (laughs) Pearl would have a chihuahua. (laughs) They'd get along, huh? Yep. And... Well, in, in some ways, Pearl kind of looks a little like a humanoid chihuahua with her, with her, <laughs> with her, her, her life and, and thin build. So I think they'd be fine for each other. Huh. See her as a little dog lady. Amethyst would be one of those people that gets a deliberately weird pet because it's a deliberately weird pet. <laughs> a big one or a little one? <laughs> uh, well, she'd probably try to get a big one like a rhino or something at first, but we have to be talked down and then she'd get like an axolotl or something. There you go. <laughs> something that can eat weird garbage with her. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Gar- Garnet's a cat lady. A pro- probably some big, quiet fluffer of a cat, but mm. it's easy to imagine her petting the cat like, uh, well, like Blofeld, but. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Very sort of independent and proud kind of creature cats can be they want love but they also have their own agenda <laughs> yeah but i can i can see the big fluffer cat deciding it's time for a, a nap on garnet's lap and she just quietly start petting it while she's doing whatever else she's doing uh-huh. i need fan art of that too <laughs> i like the idea of a cat sitting on top of her head like steven was in the last episode <laughs> she got a black cat it'd probably start to blend in with her hair 
<laughs> you're just like hanging out with Garnet one day and then you suddenly see some eyes. Yeah. <laughs> poking out of her hair. <laughs> oh no. In fact, one of my I friends had a big that. black fluffy cat, but she also had like a big black fluffy Russian style hat and she kept mistaking one for the other. <laughs> there we go. Hmm. I think I like your answers. Steven already kind of has a pet if Lion counts. Yeah, Lion and maybe Stephen Jr. <laughs> Stephen does seem to adopt anything he lays eyes on that moves. So. 100%. Even the little baby centipede. Yeah, that kind of too. And yeah. he effectively did the same thing with baby watermelon for all of an hour here. Yeah. Hmm. I'm still surprised there's not plushies of small centipede. Yeah. Like official ones. Well, I mean, speaking of toys. Brand spanking new mint in box. Much time. Yep. Believe it or not, they actually do make a watermelon Steven figure. Ah, is that, is that like a Funko Pop or just kind of looks I like dropped. one? This is made by Funko. Ah, um, so it's one of the mini ones. I can see it scale better now. Pine Size Hero? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Pine Size Heroes. So it is identical in, except for its paint job to the Steven one. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So that was a no-brainer for them because they can just repaint it. Even the hair is the same. <laughs> same pattern. Same little rose pattern. They said that that idea came from the model of a, a challah bread. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's really cute. His little little angry mouth. Yeah, we didn't talk about if the watermelons have these adorable angry mouths, which when they open, you can sort of see the seeds within yeah, it's a little disturbing. Sometimes the seeds will fly out in their rage as they're yelling. <laughs> I'm hoping for everyone's sake that sort of second generation seeds don't just make more watermelon Stevens the same way. Well, you know, if they want to reproduce, maybe that's how they'll do it. Huh? <laughs> I'm just thinking there's, there'll be loads of seeds left down after the big battles and stuff. Yeah. And how long do they live? Yeah. If you ask the one on my counter, a few days. <laughs> Ugh. Yuck. But who knows when they're magically brought to life, how it works. That's right. Definitely the normal rules of watermeloning do not apply. So these guys are cute. I thought that was a neat idea. Actually, I know of, there was this, uh, for April Fool's Day, somebody that I knew of online painted a Stephen Funko Pop as a watermelon. And the person was a decent like graphic designer. So I think they actually might have been an artist as well. I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah. Now that, now that I'm remembering more about who the person was, I believe they actually did background art for the show at one point. But anyway, they painted the box or did the, redid the box so it looked like a real Watermelon Steven. And for April Fool's Day, they said this was an, an official toy or something. Oh. It looked so realistic and people were like, what? They're doing Watermelon Steven as a Funko Pop? And it's so believable, you know? And then it turned out to be a prank. And I believe they, the person gave it away in a raffle or something. Well, that's nice. Yeah. That was cool. (laughs) And well, as we saw, they're not completely off base. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I guess it's kind of an April Fool being turned around on you if you fake something (laughs) and then the powers that be make it real. Yeah, they still they still have a pretty limited selection of Funko Pops. I don't believe I've showed you the actual ones, but I do have them. And there's an awful lot of stuff that I can't show you yet from the Funko collection, but I'm still surprised that as few have been made as there have been. Which is a little weird because some other franchises, they will put out any variant they can think of. Yeah. Even just at my local comic shop, there are so many... Batman's in just random colors. <laughs> really? 
random I mean, some relate to some piece of media where he wore a different outfit or something, but sometimes uh-huh. it's like, this, this is a gold Batman because, yay, gold Batman. The closest they have to that for Steven Universe is the, the main four crystal gems were released first, and then they released a set of them that were the same, except glow in the dark. That fits. And the presentation of them is not different in any way except for Steven's. And his glow-in-the-dark Funko Pop has his shirt up to show his gem. So he's glowing. But the others are all the same. (laughs) I'm like, come on. Couldn't have done something different, really. But that's that's what they chose to do. And I got both sets. (laughs) There's also a a regular lion and a fuzzy lion. (laughs) A blocked lion. So eventually I'll bring those out, but probably when I can show you more of the collection. So for now, it's limited pieces of the small figures. They're so cute. Pint-sized hero. I think the keyring version would be cool because I use them as Christmas decoration. Oh, keyrings of like the Funkos? Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't specifically seen Steven Universe ones, but they exist for most other franchises where they've gone done the small ones. They've yeah. also done the small ones of keyrings in their they heads. They do exist for Steven Universe, but they only did two characters. Oh. Want to guess which two? <laughs> uh, is one Steven? Yes. Is the other Amethyst? Afraid not. I wish Damn. it was true. <laughs> well, she's not getting on my Christmas tree then. Yeah, I know. You'd have to make it yourself out of the mystery mini or the pint size hero. Which would be doable because I, I use the full size one as tree toppers and they don't have attachments. I just make some out of yeah. wire. Yeah. The other the other keychain happens to be garnet. So that made me happy. Ah, well, you're set. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why do they only have two? That seems really weird. But there's also like a plush, a, a, what did they call them? It doesn't matter. They have like a, a, a keychain kind of top, but they're pretty large to be a keychain. So they had a, a series of plushies. And I guess the initial run was six. They were allowed to have six. And they did not make amethyst at all. And oh. I thought that was really weird for, I mean, for a, a set where the core cast is four characters and then you don't include one of them. That seems so very weird. But they had two Stevens and a cookie cat. I mean, and it's not they like they have to them. worry about likeness rights. Yeah. Um, i trying to remember. Was it, okay, Steven, Steven, cookie cat, Garnet, Pearl, and I think Lion. And then they, like, why would you not put Amethyst there instead of one of the Stevens or the cookie cat? Yeah, I mean, Lion, okay, yep, cool. He's basically exists begging to be in plushy form, so that's fine. But yeah, I mean, I know Steven's the main character, but you don't need two of him straight out the gate. Right. I don't know why. Especially since if you're trying to do it, like, marketing-wise, and you're trying to pick things that you think would be most likely to sell, I think more children enjoyed Amethyst's character. Like, she's gross, she's funny, she burps. You know, she's funny to kids. So, you know, it seems like she would be a very popular character for children, but they didn't make her. I heard that they were making a second wave of those, and that was years ago, and they never did come out of prototype. But I did hear that they were going to make another wave of them, and they did include Amethyst along with, like, I think Greg and some others that I can't remember. But there was another aspect of that that's even more baffling that they did that I can't talk about right now. (laughs) So it's like, why did you make this and not that? What is going on in your mind? It was it was weirder. You'd also think because you'd have a ready-made audience of people who go, I'm going to get the main four or the three gem. Mm-hmm. And and then would go, 
And I know because I've done this, go, oh, if they don't make the full team, I'm just not going to get any of them. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, am, I get everything because I'm a pleadist, but I was like frustrated at the idea that why would you make the set and not include one of the beloved main characters? It just seems so completely out of touch as to why anybody buys it away. <laughs> I've had a similar thing with that and we're looking at expensive with this thing with the fact you can only get some of the Doctors Who as Funko Pops. And part of me is going, well, if you can get all 13, then maybe, but you can get this random assortment of like one, four and nine through 14, then yeah, I'm not so much interested. Yeah. And a lot of times what marketing executives think will be the popular ones is not. Oh yeah. We've all seen shelf warmers. Mm -hmm. Which makes me sad, but in, in general, I tried just being a ridiculous person. I was getting extremely obsessively into this show before there was any merchandise. So as soon as anything existed, I was snapping it up, even if it was awkward and terrible. And part of the reason for that, besides that I wanted it, let's be honest, I wanted it. But even though it was like pretty terrible, I still wanted to send the message to people that, eh, you know, this is a desired property. You should make more mm. deals. And I don't know if this even matters really, but I am for many years now, I think more than 15 years or something, I'm actually a, a member of a product research team where I have to scan and transmit everything I buy. So I am representative of many other households that are my demographic. And I like, you know, I'm telling them every time I buy something, Steven Universe, that certainly 3,000 other households in America are doing this because I'm so representative. So <laughs> I'm, I have more buying power than most people. So, so if any ad executives want to send me free stuff, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, it's associated with the Nielsen people, the same people, but I don't oh, yeah. do it for TV because I don't have cable. But anyway, so, you know, I want to vote with my purchases that you should have more semen stuff. <laughs> And I just wonder, you know, how much more will they make? The way that I understand it, at least with Funko, is that they're forever making stuff that has not been associated with any new content for decades sometimes. So it's, Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping that Steven continues to be of interest to them. Maybe in future seasons, there will be some surprises. Yeah, well, how much Star Wars stuff was there between when they were just not going to make any new movies ever? So it does happen. Right. It does. I just, I'm just thinking about how much I would like to have like an oversized Funko Pop that represents like some of the fusions, like just how cool a Sugalite Pop would look. <laughs> you could sell them in little oh, packs cool. of one big one of the fusion and the little component ones with them. Uh, that'd be cool. Or if you make a version of them that would like fit inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. I, I've, uh, I've, seen the, I've seen them be cheeky with double packs before. I don't know if you've seen the Brady Bunch one with Jan and her imaginary boyfriend. No. Jan famously no. made up, well, famously for those who were watching at the time, a fake boyfriend called George Glass. And, you know, he was the prototypical, you know, boyfriend who goes to another school you wouldn't have heard of, et cetera, et cetera. I have a partner from Canada. <laughs> And you buy the Funko Pop, it's a double pack size box, one side is a Jan figure, and the other side is labeled George Glass, but it's just a completely empty part of the box. Wow, that is clever. I like that. I can see that. Of course, one of my friends who is also into Transformers has said like they're really sleeping on making fusion Transformers for Steven Universe because it would be so cool to, you know, put them together. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've kind of talked about that though, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, toy engineers, get on it. Yeah. 
But apparently just talking about how cool it would be if something exists doesn't make it exist any faster for some reason. I don't know why I can't manifest my thoughts into reality like that. <laughs> it's not one of my superpowers. Those unlicensed toy people are always saying they're making the toys the fans really want, but the official people don't make. So, you know. Yep. Get on it instead of the 47th new set of Constructor Cons. Joke for Transformers fans. <laughs> hmm. So, hmm. I'm out of things to say about Watermelon Steven, but I might, if you are too, do you want a teaser for the name of the next episode? Uh, what's next? The next one is called Lion 3, straight to video. Mm. Lion episodes are interesting. I see they're sticking with <laughs> the, the lion gets cinematic themes on his episode titles. Yeah, we had Steven's Lion and then Steven's or Lion 2, the movie, and now Lion 3, straight to video, and I love it. well lion 2 the movie was actually literally about them going to a movie so will something actually be going to video some kind of video something someone makes a video or it is carried away with with references and (laughs) you'll know next time time. (laughs) i can't wait (laughs) very scrutable pink friend Uh, that's right Mm. I do like when the animators just remember lions there if your episodes show him sleeping under the house or something. Yeah. When he doesn't take part, it's just, no, we haven't forgotten. He's still around. He does his own thing sometimes, but he's here. <laughs> exactly. And that is a perfect cat attitude. Well, I think I've said it on air before that he's like what they once said about the TARDIS and that he doesn't always take Stephen where he wants to go, but he takes him where he needs to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> but is he bigger on the inside? <laughs> <sighs> Well, he can keep a sword in his head. So the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> there Obviously, we go. I don't know, maybe he stumbled across a pink Gallifreyan lion. <laughs> I feel like if we go too much farther down this uh, rabbit hole, I'm not going to be able to keep up in uh, references because I don't watch Doctor Who. I'm going to get lost. <laughs> Oh, all right. We're done. We're good. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Until next time. You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not-So-Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us on Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Podsploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.